Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the Mass Effect podcast. Thank you, and I think I say this every single week, but I'm going to say thank you again to everybody who tunes in, everybody who gives words of encouragement or anybody who has taken their time to like a post on Instagram or even volunteer guests, anything like that, because without you guys, we don't have a show. And it's been a, it's been such a such a, a good ride so far that you know I'm really enjoying the fact that we can get different guests from all different walks of life on here. And speaking of guests, I have a gentleman on who is ready to talk to us today. And I'll be honest when I when uh, I wanted to get him on the show, I said I need some information, Steve. And um, I, it took about 35 minutes to print his pages off. Um, I had to get some new paper, a new ink in the printer, because he's had one hell of a life. Um, and actually, it's only been 37 years. Yep. Is that right? Yep. 37, 37 years. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I welcome Steve Gamble to episode 12. Hello, Steve. Hey, Dave. How are you? Very well, mate. And uh, how are you? Mate, I've been absolutely flat out. My life is... Probably the busiest in town. Yeah, yeah. busiest in town. Busiest in town. Probably you, busier than the mayor. Th- and that's a pretty big job. Yeah, I'd like his job actually. Yeah, mate. We we have spoken about the possibility <laughs> of maybe politics down the track. You know, it could be something that you could venture into. Yeah, something definitely yeah. always been on the mind for yeah. uh, for probably twenty years. Yeah, yeah. We just got to find the right time. To yeah, do. exactly. I think a little bit more life experience for both of us, and we. Could probably throw a hat in the ring. Um, all right, so Steve Steve uh, is here in Dubbo. Steve, for those that don't know, is the store manager of JB Hi-Fi. Um, so he has been there since day dot, I believe, since the opening of the Dubbo yeah, store. Yeah, yep. so um, myself and uh, our sales manager, Anthony uh, Began, yep. Kiwi, um, yep. he's been there since day dot as well, 18th of July Yep. Four years ago. So wow. it's only pretty much two weeks until four we years. Just, we just got Anthony's shout out in here. Yeah, we had to shout Anthony. Yeah, G'day, so we, we threw that in there. <laughs> so funny story, Anthony Coyle is the guy we're talking about. Yep. So a lot of people probably know that I grew up in a town called Tumut. Anyway, I was uh, I mean, 1920, set thereabouts. I'd moved away. I'd come back and I was at the local pub. And these three gentlemen got brought into town from New Zealand. They were the new, the new, new uh, wave of football players coming into town. Anthony was one of those. So that's how I got to know him all the way back then. So he's even won premierships with Chermit. Uh, he, had a, he had an illustrious career as a front rower. And uh, I believe he's a front rower still at JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, mate. Out, out on the coalface. <laughs> smashing, smashing customers. Yeah, exactly. With no, no offloads these days, though. No. Um, so, all right. So, Steve, um, let's get into it, mate. Because we, we've, we've talked and we've got to know each other quite a, quite a bit over the last month or so. Um, generally because of your passion for some projects that you're working towards and some things that you're looking at doing, which we're going to get into. But I want to give the listeners a bit of a view on uh, who you are where you come from and how you got to where you are now. And then, because you've got a hell of a story, mate. And, um, you know, I, I, wanted, I want people to understand that this is a, is a man who's been faced with a number of different challenges. And he's sitting here today to openly talk to us about those challenges. And hopefully, like, by, by doing that, you know, um, he can exp- he can reach out to you if you're going through a tough time right now, and you might be able to uh, get something out of it. So, Steve, let's talk about how you grew up, where you grew up, and uh, the the beginning of yeah, the Steve Gamble right. story. So, yeah, 
Steve, 37. Yep. Uh, currently uh, residing out of Dubbo. I've uh, been here for almost six years. Yep. Uh, but before that, uh, back into the childhood, uh, born and bred in Juni, so hour and a half or so from, from Tumut, um, yep. half hour from Wagga Wagga. Uh, train country. Train country, yeah. Yep. Juni Diesels. Yep. Um, Laurie Daly country, for those of you that follow the old rugby league. Ray Warren, too. Ray, 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 Ray Rabbits and, Warren. And uh, Adam Perry. Yep. Um, some, some other big stars of the world, country yeah. music stars and whatnot. Yep. But um, Ray's there. Um, had one sibling, younger brother Roger. Uh, he was 18 months younger, so pretty much we were best mates growing up. Uh, and then probably just had a lot of um, sporting friends. Like our, our whole life revolved around sport yep. and things like that. Being in a small town, there's only like 5,000 people It's a big thing, isn't it, like in small communities. I think a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people, when you're growing up, I remember I was told when I was five, my mum and dad said to me, what sport do you want to play? You can play football or football. Yeah. So I chose football. Yeah. Um, but it's very much a, a, a it's very much a thing that like in small communities it's 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 a, it's almost like a belonging, isn't it? It's almost yeah. uh, like a commitment to something. Or yeah, <laughs> Junie had footy, obviously, yep. um, and then and then soccer, and obviously um, we'll, we'll go into a bit more about yep. my condition and things like that. But um, I obviously got pushed through into the the soccer realm of things. Yeah, yeah. I was I was the smallest guy, and you weren't able to obviously. Com- with 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 your condition, we weren't you weren't actually able to probably get too much in regards to contact and things like no, that. Were no, no. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, any any form of a chest injury would potentially yeah. um, puncture a lung or my heart and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. um, don't really want to take that risk. Parents, pretty much. So what? What, they. what what is the condition that you 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 have to you've had to deal with? Mate? So I was born with a condition called pectus excavatum. So yeah. uh, it's pretty much a hole in your chest. Okay. So when I was born, my uh, my sternum hadn't finished forming. Yeah. Um, so over, over the first few years, it had finished growing and things like that, and uh, ended up being like a, an indentation or, okay. a, or a divot yep. or a hole. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and from that, um, my doctors and things like that were like, Steve, it's just going to grow out. It's natural. Happens to a lot of people. Yep. Things like that. But then as I got older, into my teens and stuff like that, it was very much. Not going away. Yeah. Um, and it, it was not causing a lot of health issues, but a lot of personal anguish, bullying yeah. and things like that. Just because um, if you've ever seen it, Google it, jump on there, um, even look at my Insta pages and stuff like that. But you yeah. can see that um, if I'm a little bit bloated, I look a bit like ET. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Which is not great. And, yeah. uh, and being a young kid in, in a small town, um, it's tough. Like yeah. it's... There's a lot of people ganging up on you and stuff like that. And um, I think when I was 13 years old, like I was, I was five foot four and I weighed 28 kilos. Wow. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Like, go, go pick up a bar at the gym and that's yeah. 20 kilos. And that's pretty much how much I weighed. And yeah. Like, it, yeah. And, and obviously being smaller, you know, it tends to be uh, – and having a condition, it tends to be a, a bit of a, a, an easy target for a bully or somebody who wants to wants to make themselves yeah. look better, don't they? Yeah. Like it's always it's always the case. I think that, um, geez, I wish we could get to the core of bullying and why that happens and how it happens. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, generally it's usually because most people are intimidated, so or they or they don't understand the differences in people. Yeah. It's it's probably a lot to do with not understanding yeah what what the problem was and and a little bit of um yeah being scared mm. of it. Like I'm obviously not an intimidating person by any means, but I don't know you do. <laughs> um, but I don't like yeah. You just only when I want the best price at JBI. Yeah. You're very intimidating. Not, not going to happen. <laughs> no, um, 
but it's it's like that kind of thing. I like did not not knowing all that's the unknown. People are scared of the unknown and, yeah. and wanting to take that step to find out what what it was. But yeah. the, the circle of friends that I did have, um, they were fantastic. Like they yeah. they didn't see me as being any different. Um, I, I played sport. I was an equal to them in in every way. And in most cases, I was probably better than all yeah. of them in sport because yeah. I had to to try so much harder. And, yeah, to and work harder than they did to actually even just be normal. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so with, with your condition, um, does it affect you in regards to your capacity as an athlete or is it is it more uh, a cosmetic thing or is it – yeah. Well, in my teens, they, my, the, the specialists and stuff like that, so we went and seen top specialists yep. in Australia and stuff like that and they were like, it's just cosmetic. Yeah. Um, they, they do the, the lung and heart function tests and they're like – So it's, it, it'd wrong. be like saying you have a sunken chest – yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or a, some people call it pigeon chest. Yeah, or, pigeon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. now, now it's probably since like my mid twenties and things like that. Um, yeah. It's more like I'll go and do a workout, and I'm shagged. Like it's just, yeah, I'm stuffed, and I can't just can't physically go and keep going and keep going. Yeah. And there's there's been two instances um, where I've been uh, in in training or a competition environment where my body's shut down. So okay. I've got yeah. to a point where. The, the condition, my heart pumps, my yep. lungs have to do it, but there's not enough room inside the chest cavity to uh, do both, do both at, at, the, same at the same time. So yeah. one kind of takes over. So what happens if there's not enough blood getting through my body yeah. or not enough oxygen in the blood? My feet get pins and needles, my hands oh. get pins and needles and stuff like that. So if I'm trying to clean and jerk heavy weight and stuff like that in, in my competition... Makes it, it makes it almost impossible, yeah. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, geez, I can't pick that up. But yeah. I've got to have longer breaks to try and keep yeah. the oxygen in and things yeah. like that. So... Probably like probably I'm I'm trying to be more conservative when I'm training, so I've kind of steered yeah. away from a bit of the CrossFit stuff at the moment. Was it always like that though? Was it like when you were playing? Because um, you know you've got you've got quite a in depth amount of sport that you used to play and, and yeah. commit to. Was it when you were younger? Were were those issues still relevant? Like did you? Yeah, um, I, I you have a look like, at the the athletics and things like that, and you see yeah. that I was a specialist in 100, 200 meters or yeah. long jump. And they're short, sharp, bursts short of, events um, yeah. of, of energy where there's only not even 30, not even 22 seconds of yeah. time in a, in a 200 and stuff like that. So yeah. there's no, there was none of that in there. Yeah. Um, and it, since I got to like 400 metres. Like, That's when you start to feel it more. Yeah, and, um, yeah. And, but then some of the, the things that I did in my life where it, it required me to run long distances. But yeah. like I can run now as a 37-year-old, I pushed like a two and a half K run in, in yeah. nine minutes type thing. Like that's still yeah. um, a, a fairly good achievement. But it takes me like an hour or two to recover from two and a half cases. I think isn't that why they invented cars? Yeah, I don't I, think no, running. I don't. Is not I'm not something as. <laughs> if, if it's cardio, I'm running away from something. Yeah, hundred percent. I sometimes for me, uh, in excess of six reps is cardio. So. Yeah. Depends on how heavy it is. Bit of a rest still. <laughs> so yeah, so obviously, like um, you know that that has been something you have had to deal with um, for your whole life. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, it's had its uh, it's had its moments where it's probably affected you in more ways than one, mentally and physically. Um, but you know, you you've still managed to to push on, and you had quite a you had quite a, an illustrious little sporting career, didn't you? I want to talk about that because you. You played soccer, I yep. believe, which you um, you were a striker. Yep. So, so no, you played no, a very no. important role. You weren't, you know, you weren't just in the background doing, doing, uh, doing some, you know, basic stuff. You were, you were, you were in the, the, the one of the main men, I guess you could say. So yeah, oh, to paint a bit of a picture, my brother um, being a bit younger, we ended up playing in the same teams a lot. So he was the the, the sweeper or the the centre back. 
uh, and then having me up front, it was like yeah. a, it was a, a good combination and, and things like that. Um, and and he's probably one of the best footballers I've ever seen play. Oh, really? Yeah. Like he was. Yeah. He's really really good. Um, doesn't play anymore. Yeah. Um, but he's, so he's older than you. No, he's younger. Younger. Thirty okay. thirty five. So oh, he's still got plenty of years left. Yeah. Him, um, he's had knee reco and things like that. Oh, so um, don't worry about that. Yeah. Probably these four kids. Um, but but he, he was fantastic. He was like, and and it was funny because being so competitive, like I was really jealous of him. But yeah. um, I'm like, oh, I just want to be there. Ooh, dropped it already. Yeah. Oh, like, oh yes. So that gives me free way. I always say this to the guests: if they do swear, then I can swear. So now we're good to go. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, are you going to get in trouble for that? I am. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, so, so, the, yeah, so yeah, he was he was there, and then but the being the striker, I said again, short, sharp, fight, like yeah, white, so I didn't have to. Do you that. had a very quick job to do, yeah, and, and you get in, and get and it done. One job, and that was to score goals. Yeah, what a great job. Be the hero. <laughs> well, no, not a hero. We'll scrap that statement. But yeah. yeah, not the hero. The the, the champion of the day. The champion. Thing, yeah. Well, obviously, not, obviously, that was the position as a striker. The yeah. the objective is to score the points. So, um, yeah, right. So you you um you played started playing. Quite young, didn't you? About five yeah, or six. Played junior football, then yeah. uh, and worked my way up. Skipped under nines, tens, and elevens, and started playing in the under twelves. Yep. Uh, and then and then jumped up. Uh, had a bit of an injury uh, to my wrist. Um, yep. Rollerblading. And was then this one of your first injuries? Because we we've got that was my first broken. We've got that was my first broken. We've bone. got yeah. a pretty good I've list got, here. I've got a massive <laughs> list. So um, that was my first broken bone. So I broke my wrist. Yeah. Uh, and while I was in the cast, I someone just said, "Oh, do you want to take up refereeing?" Okay. And, and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just went from there. And in my first year, um, refereed junior football. Yep. Ended up in uh, refereeing like under 14s, 15s, and then um, got most improved that year. So that, yeah, was, wow. pretty, that was a pretty sweet. Yeah. My, my first year, like not not a confident thirteen yep. year old. Yep. So yeah. Wow. So you so um, refereeing would have been a definite step up for it's probably for your confidence as well i'd imagine yeah so like being being a being a player like yeah you just play and yeah. but being a, a referee you're in charge of 22 people for yeah. for 60 or 90 minutes and it's i think like that that opportunity like on my 14th birthday when i was just thrown in the deep end and said steve you've got to referee a, a, a women's first grade game today yeah and i'm like well geez i'm 14 and these ladies that, are it, yeah far older and it's like well, this is a this is a real big confidence yep. thing it could have gone one of two ways and it was it ended up being a, a fantastic thing for me where yeah, wow. i made a, a lifelong friend and yep. um it, it was it was it was a difficult thing to do at the time but looking back on it it's like this is a, a fantastic achievement um as a 14 year old to to referee top flight women's football um yeah yep. and, and to give you an idea that was what 20 24 years ago 23 years yeah. ago so um wow. it's a bit different Just so time, time flies doesn't it so mm. then then at 16 you you uh refereed at the australian uni games yeah is that right yeah, yeah so I, I i refereed the eastern conference and then australian uni games uh the new south wales under 16s cup um and, and national youth league so um a lot going on in a short period of time and, and um it, it was more i i wanted to I probably found something that I was really good at. Yeah. Um, and it was like, maybe I want to become a FIFA referee. Oh. Like I was like, yeah. oh, I reckon I could, I could referee at the international stage or yeah. things like that. And it was like, this was really good for my confidence. I, I, I would develop really well. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to worry about what other people were thinking of me. Yeah. It was for 90 minutes. And if somebody hated me, it was only for that time because I was the ref. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just, it was like a really good opportunity to do those things. What happened? At one of those games, Steve. <laughs> um, so you I'll, were refereeing, I believe, and yeah. you issued a yellow card. Yeah. Happened? So this, I must, 
young fella, probably 20, 22 type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he just scored a goal when he's carrying on like a bit of a pork chop, took his shirt off, waved yep. around, running down the sideline, stuff like that. And I've called all the players back to restart the game and, and whatnot, and he was still carrying on. Um, and, and I'd already had a bit of a chat to him before, and, um, yep. and I issued him a yellow card. Yeah, um, and th- and that's where it all went really south from there. He just lost his mind and punched me. Yeah, um, a few times. It was a, a, a bit of an all in between both teams. Oh wow! But so it wasn't. It him. wasn't. The teams weren't fighting each other. They were yeah. trying to get the guy off me. Oh wow! Yeah, right. And it was it was just like because I obviously not going to fight. Like yeah. I'm not that. that I'm, I just don't. Yeah. Do that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get away from the situation. I've got my, my linesman, um, my, my coach yeah, on the sideline who's a who's a, a cop. Yeah. Um, and then the head of the referees at the time was um, an off-duty uh, Ambo, and they're all in there, stuff like that, broke it up. This wow. guy got arrested. And yeah. It was pretty full-on. Like the, end of, the guy ended up being banned for life from, from football. I was going to so. say, because there is no there is no excuse to ever hit an official, like in no. any game, any sport, anything. I mean – you know they're there to officiate a game. I think often, you know, often officials get the raw end of the stick a fair bit because obviously you've got to, you've got to cop the abuse based on your decisions that you make from the crowds and things yeah. like that. Um, I'd imagine being a referee during COVID would be amazing because there are no crowds. Yeah, well, there's no, and you can't. You <laughs> it's, can't. Yeah, I mean, you still, you still, um, you, you know, you're still going to have players getting upset, but like the crowds tend to tend to chime in a little bit and. Yeah, I think it's like there's a lot of influence there and stuff. Yeah, like it's it's hard. Like being a young fella refereeing senior football. Yeah, influence is such a big thing. Like it was, it was very much like I was just when I was on the pitch. It was only what happened inside the walls of the field, and it was there was no, oh, let's do what the 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 bench is saying or what the crowd is saying. They can be yelling abuse or or doing whatever, and it's kind of like you just tune that stuff out. Yeah, Um, and that and I found that I was. Probably quite good at that. Like yeah. I was, I was able to focus on what I needed to achieve while I was out on the pitch, and that was to and referee and be fair yeah. out there. And, and that's it. ultimately what you're there for. I mean, yeah. without officials, we don't have games. So, no. um, and I, and I, enjoy, I really enjoyed that time yeah. of my life. That was that was great being able to um, meet so many people. Yeah, and obviously you, you're in charge. So you probably enjoyed that too. Yeah, I think I, I developed a bit of a passion for, for leadership and things <laughs> leadership, like that while yeah. I was out there because I was. I like how you worded that leadership. Yeah, oh, it was good. Mate, I don't see myself as a manager. I'm not. No. I'm not anyone's boss. I'm, yeah. I'm their friend. Yeah. Um, I'm their mentor. I'm their coach. Yeah. Uh, and and most of all, I'm the leader. I lead from the front. And yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't see it as being as as a position of power yeah. or anything like that. It's no, just, you don't abuse it. You don't walk around. Oh, I'm the manager. No, and stuff no. Like that. So yeah. Um, that's why like. You don't really. A lot of people don't even know that I am the store manager at JB. Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, and you're 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 probably you're fine with that. Like, yeah, I, mean, I don't care. No, like, it's it's great. Like, yeah. It's cool having the job. I love the job. Yeah. It's probably like it's it's probably the best position in Dubbo. Yeah, like, if you want to work in retail, you work at JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, Hi-Fi, yeah. and then everyone's other favourite shop no. Bunnings. So or Mass Nutrition. Or mass, yeah. I haven't, worked, I haven't yeah. run this one yet. So. <laughs> All right, that's that's next year. Yeah, I'll throw, throw you in the deep end. So, <laughs> so um, obviously, like um, you, you're also also very talented um, with athletics as well. So you kind of crossed over a bit, didn't you? So you had you obviously playing soccer and you were uh, started a little A's and things like that. Yeah, like it was. A, it was so I had obviously soccer all in the winter time and, and things like that, refereeing and. And, and coaching during that time with the yeah. referees, and then I, and then in the, uh, then I'd bu- jump into the the summertime, and then the yeah. focus would shift back into athletics. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, didn't play cricket. Played a little bit of cricket in my junior years, but um, and yeah. then I jumped to athletics, and it was like, I, I found that I was uh, reasonably good at long jump and and the hundred and things like that. Being a, a smaller guy, but um, reasonably good. 
reasonably you, good. You say reasonably, but uh, you were pretty good. Oh, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> he's he's being modest. It's open to interpretation. He's being modest. Um, so he actually the the world record for long jump is eight point nine five by Mike set by Mike Powell. Yep. And you, your best jump was seven point three six. So I mean, it's still a meter and a half difference. But just to give people an idea of those who have ever done long jump, seven point three six is a it's a big jump. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know if you look at your shop. Yeah, so come come into mass. And we're going to mark it on the floor. I think. So yeah, that's a good front. idea. We should we'll do, do that. it from the front door to the counter. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an so idea, it's, yeah. it's probably three quarters of the way from the front door to the counter. That's a massive jump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you 8, 8.95, if you go back and have a look at 8.95, there's only been like six guys, seven guys that have ever jumped over 8.50. Yeah. Um, one of them is the guy, one of the guys that I used to jump with. He jumped a, an 8.52 for Brees. Wow. And yeah. um, we were competing together at the time, like when you look at that dis- those distances, like we were fairly similar in distance. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow, so that was um, that was obviously something that you know. I'd imagine that you know you you wanted to pursue that uh, in in the way of well, the Olympic Games. I'd imagine. Yeah, so like I was in I was in training. I didn't have a coach. Yeah. I was never like obviously not given the same opportunities being in a small town. Yeah, um, to to excel or or have that elite coaching and stuff like that, where um, our city counterparts probably had a bit more of that. Um, so a lot of it was self-taught. There were no um, jumps coaches in Wagga or no one specialised in that. No one specialised, and I yeah. had to move away and stuff like that. But obviously, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of my own thing. I didn't do any like plyometric training. I didn't do any yeah. weights training or anything like. Because I didn't know I had to. Had like, to. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just went and ran and jumped, done stuff with yeah. the boys. Yeah. And played, played games like. Yeah. Play pool and stuff like and that. Obviously, and obviously, you like, know, played, had your soccer going and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so as well, it was so. kind of like just do whatever I feel like it. And then yeah. if, when I had a comp, I'd go and jump. And if I broke a record, it'd be cool. Or if not, yeah. I just like it would be if I, it was the main thing is, is I pretty much just wanted to win gold medals. And yeah, I was probably not humble at the time. Like I was probably being a bit selfish where yeah. it was, but I wouldn't be upset if I lost. You wouldn't be, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it was all about winning. Like I just want all I wanted in my life was to win. Was to win. Yeah. And it was either be an elite referee in soccer yeah. or an elite athlete. Like, it was yeah. no – I didn't care about school. Yeah. Like, school was nothing. And it was just kind of just like, no, nah, don't care about school anymore. I just want to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Because that was how it was portrayed. Like, in junior, the only thing you're doing is to get out was to move. Yeah. And to move, you had to become something. And, and once again, you know, like, it wasn't footy, it was soccer. If yeah. it was soccer, it was athletics. Yeah, it was and it was kind of like, well, I want to get out. Like, I don't yeah. want to be – Stuck there. No, no. And it's not there's anything wrong with Janelle. I love no, Janelle. no, no. I've grown it's up just there. that you, 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 there, you know, in small communities, it's the same with me with Tumut. You know, it's like you wanted to, you want to progress and move on. Yeah. And you want to go where the opportunities are. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I felt as though I had more opportunity moving away and, and doing things like that. So I just, I wanted to get in there and I wanted to be that, yeah, that Olympic champion or, or whatever. And that yeah. just didn't happen. So, so you had a yeah. You, you, you obviously progressed through um, successfully in regards to um, your athletics, and uh, two thousand and two was a bit of a turning point, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about that now because this this is probably a, this is why I I've got you on because we're talking about setbacks and we're talking about your ability to overcome and and uh, I hate to use the word overcome and adapt. <laughs> Because everybody used it during COVID and stuff yeah. like that, but you 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 literally have. So, um, 
So what happened? So you were you were um, ready to basically get yourself qualified for something pretty unique. Yeah. And let's talk about it. So um, I, I just finished uh, year 12, so 2001, finished year 12. Um, probably the only good thing out of school is I finished it. Um, yeah. Didn't, didn't get real good marks or anything like that. So if any of you were around then, it was a red dot or below 30 for my UAI. So yeah. um, not not my proudest moment, but looking back on it, I made changes so I didn't fix that. Um, and, then, and then I picked up a scholarship um, with the, uh, the the Southern New South Wales um, Sports Academy. Sport, yeah, Sports Academy. So, yep. um, and, they, and they gave me some opportunities to, to go and compete. Um, and, and back in the early 2000s, they had the Telstra A-Series athletics, yep. which would go around and, and at each of the capital cities you'd compete. And, um, and, uh, and, and Canberra was the, the, the most recent one. So it was on, um, I'm going to say, mid January. Yep. Um, and and I went up to Canberra to um, to compete at this, and I and I, I needed to jump a, a qualifying distance of eight seventeen to go to the um, the, the world under twenty championships. Yep. yep. Um, and that that one that was pretty much going to cement my my place um, to get into the institute yep. um, and get the get the coaching I needed. And um, the night before, I was out with some mates, just having a bit of a muck around, and uh, and we we're playing soccer and stuff like that. And I, I copped a, a heavy body check. Um, to the top half of my body, which spun me around, and I, yeah. and, I um, and I broke two vertebrae in my uh, in my lower spine. So yeah. I could still walk. I do all the normal yeah. things, uh, yeah. and things like that. Um, but I, I was just in massive amount of pain. Um, the boys loaded me up on some Panadol, got yeah. me drunk, took me out. Um, <laughs> it was mental. Um, like like all, all good mates. Yeah, man. all good mates. Um, but then the next morning, I couldn't even move. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. Oh, wow. Couldn't do anything. Yeah. And um, and and I had to make the, the that tough decision of pulling out of the event, and yeah. and, and it, I obviously got back to to June E and and had some scans and things done, and um, the doctor, my doctor at the time, was like, "Oh, you just need some bed rest and things like that." Like, yeah. didn't really diagnose what had happened. Um, so he's like, "Oh, you need to take up playing snooker, which we'll get onto later." Yeah. Um, and then and then it was like, "Oh, okay." And then like it must have been like four or five weeks, and yeah. I'm just like, "This I'm is not right. getting better." Like I'm laying in bed, I'm playing games. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not going out. Not doing anything. And it was like, oh, I need to probably get this checked out. And yeah. I went to a physio, and and he was going over all my, um, all of my scans and stuff like. That. And he's like, Steve, you've got these breaks yeah. in here, and I'm like, oh shit, like, what's going on? And and that was a huge turnaround. Like, there was nothing that could be done. No, no, obviously it's um, it was done and dusted. But the thing was, is that I didn't have a plan of recovery. So yeah. for for that period before he found it, it was like I was just doing whatever and. Yeah, don't know if it was making it worse or, or better. better. Yeah, well, the thing like is, you, we we certainly weren't making it better because you didn't have a plan around trying yeah. to trying to heal the injury. But the thing so. was, is that, that for six weeks I'd just given up. Yeah, and it was like, well, well, I'm not not focused on jumping anymore. Yeah. I'm not focused on anything. So I just nah, whatever. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? Like, my life was over. Like, yeah, you, I'm not going to be a professional athlete or anything like that. And, it, uh, and from that, like, I had a, a, a plan to get better, and it, it was a couple of years before like I really started to even think about playing sport again. Yeah. Like I played pool and, and, and yeah, snooker. But, but actual proper like sport where you'd be running and jumping. Yeah, and like I just I, I, I avoided it because I was scared that I was going to 
re-injure. Yeah. Um, because a back injury is a major thing. And Absolutely. I mean, and probably still to this day, you probably still have issues with it. Yeah, so um, it, it's now, like I've now got arthritis in, in the spots where I, I had the breaks yeah. and um, and it now compresses down on my sciatic nerve. So okay. I have a, I've got sciatic issues pretty much all the time. Yeah. Um, and that and that does in like impede my, my training and things chronic, now. A bit, and, bit of a chronic injury now, yeah. Yeah, so it's turned into that kind of thing. So it's like more of a management type thing. Yeah. And that's probably why I've steered more away from the, the functional fitness stuff yeah. at the moment just to try and build up a bit more core strength to, to support yeah. it um, yeah. and whatnot. But yeah, it was like, that was a massive blow yeah, um, wow. in, in, the, in, that, in that world for me. It put me in a pretty bad headspace. Um, and then, yeah, we went, go on from there. Yeah, wow. It's a, like I said, it's, it's sort of like you've had some trials and tribulations and that, that's probably, um, you know, every kid's dream is obviously, you know, you're working towards achieving something and when, that, when, it, when a Mack truck gets thrown in front of you, it's sort of, you know, you've got to change direction, don't you? And, mm. and, um, and you did that. So you then took up uh, eight ball yeah, and, and Q sports and every, everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So if it had a table in front of me, I pretty much played it. So yeah. um, I, I enjoyed a lot of that kind of stuff. And the, and the doctor kind of just said, oh, I'll just go play snooker. Yeah. And, but he was joking when he, he said was that. joking. And so I kind of just started playing <laughs> snooker for a bit of fun and things. I'd had a pool table at home yeah. with the boys. But Steve, you're not meant to take everything they say literally. Yeah. Do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> He's like, he's like the doctor said the, the doctor's suggestion, mate. Didn't mean yeah. that you had to go do it, yeah. but anyway, so, he he here you are. So, so I did so that, and then yeah, so I, I ended up changing my life and yeah. things like that, um, and got a new partner, and yeah. then she was living in Canberra at uni and things like that, and she kind of like, oh, Steve, you're better than this. You need to do something with your life. So I enrolled into uni, um, yeah. and and redid my year twelve. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I yeah. ended up getting so I redid my UAI, yeah. um, and got a ninety six. Oh wow. Um, and that's probably where I should have been to start with, like. <laughs> Just um, didn't apply yourself. Yeah, didn't apply myself. And um, yeah. so I got a 96, yeah. started uni, um, and then I was going through the, the clubs and societies bits and pieces, and they're like, hey, there's a pool comp on. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what better way to meet people? I'll just go to that. I'm Social, just going to go to that because yeah. I, like, I love talking to people, yeah. having, having a chat. So I was yeah. going, I'll go play pool. Um, and, and I lined up, and um, they've got this big competition on. Yeah. Like it wasn't just a normal comp, it was a big it was one. Big, it was $500, yep. $500 oh. purse place yep. and stuff yep. like that. Because um, it was O-Week at uni. Yeah, good old O-Week. Yeah, everybody, 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 everybody O-week. remembers O-Week. Um, and it was a $500 first place and, and the draw will come out and um, and I got drawn against this guy and his name was Awali Muhammad. Yep. Um, and he's a, he's a Saudi Arabian dude and he's just like, hey man, how you going? I'm Awali. And he's, he's the most energetic person I'd probably ever met. And yep. he's like, Cool. Do you want to break? I broke, and in the break, I've, I've smashed the balls up, and and for the first time and the only time in my whole career, the the cue ball and the head ball shattered. Wow! They just fell apart on the table. Yep. And I and I still have the head ball, and and weirdly, the ball that was at the head of the pack was the thirteen ball. And and I still have it, and I don't know if that jinxed my relationship with Awali yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um. But that was that ball. So he kept the cue ball that that smashed, and yeah. then I kept the thirteen ball, and I've got the thirteen ball on it. I've got the date that we met, the date and everything on there. Um. And it went from there. Yeah. Like right. Awali and I become really good mates from it, and and we we played pool every day, done all this kind of stuff, and then we had this crazy idea that we're going to start a club. Yep. So this is at uni? At uni, yeah. Yep. There's a thing called clubs and societies at most unis and yep. they're like, hey, 
And while he was like, Steve, 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 we're going to open this club up. We're going to play pool all the time. Yeah. We just we don't have to worry about uni. We're just going to play pool. And we're yep. going to hang out at the bar all the time. We don't have to worry about uni. So yeah. then Steve's like, oh, this is what I did in high school. That didn't work out for me yeah. so well. They're like, they're like hey. <laughs> and, he, and he wasn't a doctor. Yep. So it was like weird. He's telling me to do something. Like, what hey, nationality what? was a Wali? Uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, okay, so I was going to um, say, yeah, obviously. Um, and, and it was weird. So we did all that stuff in the, for the first 12 months and stuff like that. And... Um, and then I went home for the summer holidays. Um, and then in the summer break, something happened. Yep. Um, and, and he got kicked out of uni yep. and sent to Sydney to stay with his cousin. Okay. Um, and, and he was there, he was, he was claiming that the uni was spying on him and things like that. He, okay. he, he, he had schizophrenia, which oh. I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he had a mental, obviously had mental issues. Yeah, yeah. So he had some mental issues going on. Um, and he thought he was being spied on. So they sent him away to fix himself up. He tried to get into um, a hospital in Sydney to be assessed and they yeah. just sent him away. Wow. Yeah, no, right. don't want to know who he, don't want to know. Yeah. Uh, get out type thing. Um, and then there was an inquiry after this about it. Yeah. Um, the next day, he went down to the shops, said to his cousin, I'm going to go down and get some smokes. Yep. Um, he'd gone down to the shops and then there was an altercation um, where there was a knife involved. Um, he started stabbing himself and an off-duty police officer shot him in the chest four oh. times and killed him. Um, and, and it was like, and I understand, I fully understand what happened. Yeah. Things like that. It was devastating that that was like my first real friend that, that had um, passed away. Yeah. Um, and, and, and through schizophrenia and, and it was, it was tough. Yeah. And so we got back to uni and, and it was like, you know what, I'm going to push forward with the club anyway, in his yeah. honor. Um, and we named the Memorial Trophy after Awali. So it was the Awari, Awali Muhammad Memorial Trophy. Yeah. And that was for our top sports person every year yeah, within wow. the club, yeah. male and female. Cause yeah. the, everything that we did, um, females were treated equally yeah. in there. So all the prize money for all the comps, all of the awards were all the same. same. Everything was the same. There was no, yeah. no bias. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so there was that. And then we carried that on and then we got onto the Chalkers, which is the, the, the Q Sports Club. Um, and then, so we, we founded that club in, in 04. Yeah. Um, and we, we started, we had 40 odd members in our first year. Um, and in that first year, um, just ran heaps of competitions. We ended the state league. Um, which we did quite well at, lost the final, which was a bit crap, but um, but it, it was cool. And then that's where I started to to really form that passion for eight ball and, yeah. and, and getting in there. So yeah, so just another another thing where you you know you you were once again you know adapted and and obviously like um, found a new passion, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like I couldn't play sport like soccer yeah. or anything like that anymore. So I was yeah. like, you know what, I'm actually quite good at this pool game. Like, yeah, but then. But then you like you know that that sort of opened the doors and stuff for you to like to, to I guess to recommit to something that you could be good at again, but then you ended up doing you end up you end up in the crossfit crossfit realm as well. Yeah. So so how did you go from how did you know you were going to be able to like obviously with the injuries and stuff like that and how did you what made you come across crossfit as a as a, as a potential I guess uh, thing for you to pursue again? It was really it was odd. Oh, it was weird. I'd never heard of it. Like it was so this is long time ago yep. so back when crossfit first come into australia so not now or or two years ago while it was still that that fad or yeah, drinking was, the kool-aid type thing yeah um it was when it was really new in australia um and my brother-in-law um his mate um owned a gym yeah and, and my wife and kari and i we were we were members of the gym before it got taken over as a crossfit box so it was, yep. it was the health temple um and we we were training there but we didn't train much because it was just programs and we didn't really enjoy it i remember the health temple it's yeah. in wagga isn't it yep yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, so it was a health temple, but yeah. then Brad bought it uh, and changed it into Milfit CrossFit Wagga. Yep. Um, and and my brother-in-law Kurt, he's just like, hey Steve, I'm trying to get into the cops. I want to I want to go and try this CrossFit thing out. Brad's hit me up, and he's done it probably as a more of a I want to get fit. Yeah, yeah. So was, fit. Kurt, Kurt was trying to get prepare himself to get into the force and things like that. And um, I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll come along. Yeah. It's like we're going to do the fundamentals or, or, or yeah. onboarding training, and we went through all that kind of stuff. And and the um and, and the young the young girl doing the training was a bit easy on the eye, so yeah. it made it a bit easier for us to to try and yeah get into commit it. Commit and stuff. Yeah, commit and it's like yeah, cool. Yeah. This is this is awesome. Yeah. And then we did the fundies and stuff like that. And yeah. then and I found that you know what, I'm actually not bad at this. Yeah. Because like Kurt, yeah, bigger guy, far fitter than me, plays sport. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I was keeping up with him. I'm like, oh shit, this is actually not too bad. Yeah, going, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just got into it, and just started, it went from there. Like it was just like doing a lot of things. Um, and then in like the first twelve months, I ended my first competition. Yeah. Um, and back then it was like the weights weren't huge, heavy. Like they weren't yeah. heaps. Like back in yeah, like advanced movements were at forty kilos. Yeah. Type thing. And yeah. Whereas like, now it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like eighty kilos or something yeah. like that now. Which I, like, I have to say, like I'm not a. Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about the CrossFit world, but every year I love watching the CrossFit games. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like you look at um, – so back then it was like Jason Kleeper and, and Chris yep. Spieler and things like that. And these guys, like yep. they weren't big dudes. I'm a massive Matt Fraser fan now. Yeah, Matt's, Matt's brilliant. So, it's like, here. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that world is insane. To be to – the, 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 at the level of their fitness and the capacity of their, their aerobic and anaerobic abilities, man, it's just insane. Even watching – I just enjoy watching the events. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Like I, I watch it and I'm like, I don't even know how these guys it, oh. like, survive half this crap. So I don't know how they do an event after an event after an event yeah. after an event. So um yeah. So going back, I, I entered this first comp. There yep. was no there was no such thing as like intermediate yep. or beginner and straight like, in. Straight in. It was an yep. advanced competition and and I entered and I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Like I'm going to get smashed. Yeah. Um, because I'm always the smallest dude. Yeah. All the time. Every to every comp I've ever been in, smallest guy there, and I won that competition. Yeah, wow. Um, and and I won it, and I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna say that I won it because I was the strongest guy there. I no. won it because there was double under skipping in it. Yeah, okay. There was there was, yeah. there, was, there, was a, there was a skipping event. Yep. And skipping for me is nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. I can skip all day. Something you're great at. Yeah. It's something I'm great at. Yeah. Small dude, springy feet, long yeah. jumper. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, it was it was easy for me to do yeah. that. So when they program skipping into it, yeah, you're like, thank I was you, like, thank you very much. So every <laughs> comp now, I'm like, hope they're skipping. Yeah, and if you go back, so last year um, there was an event at one of the uh, the regional event that I went to, and they had skipping in it, and that was the only event that I won. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, because they had skipping. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Woo. yeah, because I mean, when when you look at open CrossFit now, like you know, you got guys snatching ridiculous amounts of weights, and not only are they they fit, but they're they're incredibly strong as well. You have, you've got to be a bit of a combination of a complete athlete, don't you? Yeah, you got to be a bit of that. That you got to have probably a background. Yeah. As well, like if you're a wrestler or or, for, or, or um, Olympic like, lifting, yeah, or something Olympic lifting like that. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for for the ladies, um, if you're a gymnast, yeah. like most of them are ex gymnasts and stuff like that, and they're yeah. just absolutely crazy about how good they are. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got a ten year old daughter who's quite a talented gymnast, and often she'll she'll filter in and watch the CrossFit games with me, and she's like, "Oh, Dad, I'd really like to do this." Um, so potentially, I might have a little CrossFitter in the family. <laughs> yeah, my my girls are they they love it. So I've got. Two daughters, so yep. Mia and Alexa. So Mia's six and a half, Lexi's uh, three and a half. Yep. So um, Mia, Mia takes like she's just a weapon when it comes to sport. Yeah, anything. She's pretty much like me. Yeah, um, and she have a go at anything. She just wants to have a go. She just yeah. wants to be outside doing something, and it's and yeah. it's great to see that that she doesn't have 
technology and stuff around in the house to be bogged down in. Yeah, you know, stuck in that rut. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. like, hey, mate, let's go out and we'll go down to the gym and we'll train and something yeah. like that. We'll jump on the bike, we'll jump on the rower yeah. and stuff like that and we'll just row for a bit. Yeah. She's like, yeah, okay, cool. She yeah, comes down awesome. and we build obstacle courses and stuff like that. And yeah, right. We do box jumps yeah. and everything like that. And she's she doesn't do weights. Yeah. No, yeah, no, we, of have course, a, yeah, we have yeah. a little timber bar, like a yeah. bit of dowel with some timber um, uh, plates on. Yeah, yeah. And she just pretends to do. Yeah, just, just to obviously, that. obviously, just so she feels like she's part of the movement. And yeah, stuff the mo- like that. And, she, and she can learn the movement patterns and yeah. things like that. So when we do get to a point where she's like, "Hey, yeah. my dad, I want to start lifting," like yeah. we can get her into it, and she yeah. already has that movement pattern down pat. So. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm, I'm like you know, knowing seeing Edie go go to gymnastics, uh, like it's. Set her up a body movement, um, anything now. Like even if she plays a team sport, she lands more gracefully. She's more athletic on her feet. Like it's just the core strength, the whole thing. I can see. I actually think like when when I think about, it, obviously you know each parent to their own. But I think even getting your kids into gymnastics early sets them up to play better in, in better other sports later on. Yeah, yeah. So my so, my wife did gymnastics through throughout her um, childhood and into yeah. her teens and stuff like that. So yeah. um, not not something that we've probably discussed a lot. Yeah. Now I'm putting our girls into at the moment that and avoiding netball. Yeah, like I just I just <laughs> knee and ankle injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably safe, but yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, they they can. Oh, definitely. I think the commitment's a big thing as well. Um, you know, as a gymnast, uh, you're looking at probably minimum three to four, three out two to three hour sessions a week. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you just you just can't get the skills. You just don't get the you don't get you just don't get better. Simple yeah. as that. Um, like anything though, you've got to commit to to be good at something. Yeah. So Mia Mia started karate. September last year, yeah. and she's um, already graded twice, so she's a yellow belt yeah, now, awesome. and and quite the little weapon when it comes to that. She's yeah. won a few medals and things at the the first comp that she went to. Yeah. So really pleased that she's yeah. finding finding something that she really likes to do. No, that's good, and obviously you know with with all these sports um, for kids, especially comes discipline and uh, encouragement, and obviously like you know uh, a commitment and things like that, which is they're all valuable assets for young young ones to learn yeah. and stuff like that too. So. Um, yeah, well, all right, let's, let's, let's get into a bit more. Um, so let's talk about, I wouldn't mind sort of having a little look at your, uh, your business life, your work life, um, and sort of where you've progressed over the years from that. So, um, I know that you've always kind of been quite good in retail, so you're obviously good with people and things like that. So, um, you, you've got yourself, uh, the position that you have now here in Dubbo and obviously that came from years of experience. Yeah, so... If you go right back to when I started, and I know that this is not in my million pages of notes, um, but I started like with my grandfather, yeah, and we used to go to swap meets. Okay, he was a he was a motor mechanic, yep. and he had just had crap everywhere in yep. his shed, and we'd load up the Chrysler, drive to the swap meet, and we'd sell all day. Yeah, so we'd leave at four a.m., get there, sell all day, and and he was an incredibly good salesman. Yeah, right. Um, and and I learned I learned that gift of him. Yeah, of being able to relate to people and have a good meaningful conversation. Yeah. And things like that. And then in my teen years, uh, me and the boys, when we weren't playing sport, we'd go around, we'd mow everyone's lawns, wash their cars, yeah. deals with the business houses in town so we could go and wash all their windows. We'd yeah. go and stack shelves at the supermarkets and stuff yeah. like that. Just whatever could get us a bit of extra cash to, yeah. to fund our, our um, sporting events and yeah. stuff. Because we used to play like do stuff for money. Yeah. Like or to, yeah. Comps and stuff like yeah. that. Pool comp for money. Even or, even just to get a new pair of shoes or yeah. well, things that your um, parents and, can't and often afford sometimes. Yeah, and, and coming from a that, that single fam single parent family, it was it was tough. Like mum didn't have a lot of money and, yeah. and things like that. And refereeing soccer and, and, and working and stuff like that, like that 
um, I just bought stuff when I wanted to. Yeah. Um, if my mates wanted something, I'd sometimes chip in and buy stuff for them. And help them out, yeah. Help them out. Like, it's just, like, just because it was there and we just wasted time. But then um, went to uni, obviously, um, worked through a lot of stuff while I was at uni, running the chalkers. Uh, while I was there, I won um, the the University of Canberra Union uh, Blues and Leadership Gold Leadership Award. Yeah, right. Um, in my, my first year of running chalkers. Yep. Um, which which is one of their top business awards. Yeah. Um, and, and then in the second year, I picked up their silver leadership award. Yeah. Um, for, for my dedication and um, towards the um, the chalkers. And then in my second, third year, um, I really focused on supporting other clubs. So yep. the smaller clubs, I was an advisor on a handful of clubs, um, including uh, the, the talking about politics um, club. And, yeah, right. Um, and, and I specialised in like bylaws and, and things like that where I where I could see yeah. things and be able to help them be a better club and, yeah. and stuff like that, help with membership drives and, and whatnot. Um, but that really set my my uh, foundation um, to become a better leader. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then started at uh, – did a short stint at Dan Murphy's and then I jumped into Bunnings uh, yeah. in, in 2005. Um, and, then, and I pretty much worked in every department at Bunnings you could imagine. Yeah, right. Except yeah, for maybe – I don't around. think I worked in paint. Okay. You know, I don't. I'm not, I'm not a painter, so. Um, but I did everything. I put my hand up. I would try everything. I would do everything. Yep. Um, my career started in the the receivables dock. Yeah. Taking in stock and stuff like that, and then I just jumped around. 2009, uh, 2010, I was appointed as a, a trainee manager. Yep. Um, did my did my um, business degree and that with Bunnings and and got put through. Uh, finished that um, top of my class and then straight away appointed into a, um, a support services role. So I was running their front end in the Wagga store. Yep, yep. Um, and then after about 12 months of that, I jumped into replenishment. So I went back to my, my home ground out out in the uh, receivables dock where I looked after everything merchandising for the, the Wagga store, yep. um, the goods inwards, outwards, everything yep. like that. Um, and, I, and I developed a really strong knowledge of, yeah, of right. how to run the heart of our business. Yep. Like I think that the, the, these big businesses – if you if you if your storeroom breaks down, you you're stuffed. Yeah, like it's cool that the registers are making heaps of oh, money and your sales guys are making, but there's nothing making. Hundred percent. I've got a, I've got a guy here I know in town that uh, he's the he, he does a similar role at uh, Chemist Warehouse, and the amount of pallets of stock that come in every day, and obviously replenishment and stuff like that is so important. But business like it's a it's a full time position for two or three people. Like it's yeah. not just you know. So I've got like at, at JB now I've got. Um, Two full timers in the yeah. in the in our main storeroom. I have two full, almost full timers in the um in the in the little storeroom, and yeah. I'm about to appoint another one. So yeah. like I'm gonna have like a five person team just working our back of house, mm. yeah. Um, and that, and that's just to get the stock onto the floor to sell. And during COVID, it's just been mental. Like, yeah. Um, it's really tough because we've got stock constraints. Everyone's feeling the pinch because yeah. of that, like yeah. globally. But um, being a country store, and I yeah. can imagine that the other the other retailers in town are, are feeling that same they, pinch. They would feel the same. Yeah. It's like we need to get this stock out faster, and how do we do it? Yeah. Making smart business choices, and then yeah, so with Bunnings, worked my way through, made a replenishment coordinator. Um, a job opened up in Wagga um, as operations manager, yeah. which is the two IC. Um, I applied for that role, um, and then wasn't successful. Um, and I was told that I wasn't right for the job. Um, hadn't had enough experience because okay. at the time I was the junior manager out of the leadership team. So there was nine of us in, in the store. Um, yep. I was the most junior and they said that I wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, cool, that's fine. Let's get onto a development plan. It's interesting that people can, can assess that whether you're ready or not. Yeah. Because how the hell would they know no. if you're ready or not? 
And this, and this is what I find <laughs> funny is because it's a bit hypocritical. So yeah. two, two weeks later, I get a phone call from um, the state manager saying, Steve, um, we want you to go to Dubbo. Okay, yeah. As the operations manager. <laughs> I mean, it's the same Hang job. on. It's the same job. Same job, but same just job. same yeah. job, different postcode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, different turnover stores and things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. and, and challenges are different. Yeah. Wagga ran very well. Dubbo, there were some opportunities um, for, for some growth and yeah. things like that. Um, but a lot of my, my career was really focused around safety, um, loss, risk, yeah. internal compliance. Yeah. Um, and, and I developed, like, so the Bunnings had 195 admin policies, there was 84 safety policies, yeah, wow. and I knew them like the back of my hand. Like, yeah. I knew every single one because it was my job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew every single one of them. I could probably read them out to you what they were. Yeah. Um, and, and I created a couple of them, so that helped. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and I said, you know what? Spoke to Kari. Hey, I've been given this opportunity um, to, to move to Vegas yeah. um, and have a crack at this. Mia was one. Like yeah. She just turned one. Um, the week before we moved up here, uh, and it was like you know what, let's do let's, it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we let's get out of Wagga, try yep. something new. No friends, no family. Didn't know anyone up here. Yep. I was just like totally new world, um, and we just did it. And and in that the the, the time that I was here, I, I turned around the compliance results of the Dubbo store to um to number one in the company. Yeah, well, and 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 our safety record um, was impeccable while we were there. Uh, it was really pleasing, like knowing that the team really responded yeah. um, to to my passion. Like yeah, I'm not going to say I'm never I'm never going to say that I'm a great leader. Yeah, I'm never going to say that I'm the perfect leader because I make mistakes. I, I I don't get that wrong. I, I I fuck up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I learn from those mistakes, and I think that that's what people respond to is that yeah. honesty that I know that I'm not perfect. Yeah, exactly. Well, perfection is something we none of us can really ever achieve. Yeah, and I know that the guys um, would say that I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah, um, but I, they may mistake that from being uh, passionate. Passionate, yeah. yeah. That's, that's um, so yeah, like I did that, achieved the results that I needed to achieve, um, and then I wanted to get out of Dubbo. Yeah, nothing wrong with like, it. Was just my career progression. Yeah, I wanted, you just wanted to. Move I wanted on. the. I wanted the gig. Oh, like I wanted to move up and become a store manager. That was my goal. Yeah. Like I wanted. You know what? I'd like to be a store manager or an area manager. Um, there were some opportunities in Brisbane uh, to take that, um, but this is where it all went south. So I yep. achieved some some pretty solid results um, out of the store. Uh, I. I put in a request to, to be transferred um, at the end of my tenure here. Yeah. Um, and I was told no. Yeah, right. They said that you're not good enough. Uh, and it was pretty, it was pretty disheartening. Hard. Yeah. Disheartening because I, I, like I was working between a hundred, uh, 80 and a hundred hours a week. Yeah. Pouring your, pouring your, yeah. your energy into a company that, you know, you were just getting a salary for. Yeah. Yeah. So like you think, if anyone wants to work it out what 100 hours every week looks like, it's it's getting up at, at four every morning yeah. and not going to bed until like one o'clock. Yeah. And that's still trying to like look after um, my pregnant wife at yeah. the time and yeah. my one year, uh, two year old daughter, yeah. um, as, as well as like running a business that had 110 people yeah. um, there that was turning a lot of money. Yeah. Um, huge dollars. Yeah. Huge dollars. And it's, and it's tough. Like that. And it, it got so, so down on me that I couldn't. I couldn't function. Yeah. Like my body just didn't respond anymore. I wasn't doing any CrossFit. I wasn't training. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything. I pretty much... You stopped doing things for you, I guess. Yeah. Like I, and I, yeah. Put, I put Steve yeah. at like number 10 on the list. Yeah. Ja uh, work was number one. Yeah. I don't even remember what two, three, and four was, but Kari was probably down yeah. the bottom yeah, as well. Yeah, as and well, it was yeah. like there was no, no looking after my, my family or myself yeah. and doing all that. And, it, and then there was just one point... Um, Probably like May 
in 2016 where I just had a complete meltdown. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, nah, can't do it anymore. Um, I need to see somebody. Yeah. And I was like, yep, okay, cool. Went and saw this uh, psychiatrist, started to work through some stuff. And, you, and and I got to a point, I was like, you know what, I need a fresh start. Yeah. And that fresh start was a job ad for JB. And here you are. And here I am now. So <laughs> um, it's pretty it's pretty wild ride so far. How long has JB been uh, operational for in Dubbo now? Four years on the Four first. Years. Of, so first of September. And you, you and Anthony were the, were two, the two originals and you're still there, yep. yeah? Yep. So yeah. we were the first two and then we hired the whole new team. So we had over 800 applicants yep. and the 50, 54 other people that we hired yep. were all brand new to JB Hi-Fi. And yep. that was the first time that the company had opened a JB with all new team members Ooh. and a new store manager. Yeah. They usually transfer people around yeah, to yeah, make it easier. Um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Dubbo is a very unique situation. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Well, there you go. And then obviously um, obviously that's, uh, you know, that change was inevitable, I guess. And, and it was also – it also was an opportunity for you to start thinking about the things that you're passionate about again and get you back on that path of, um, you know – I guess, I guess for yourself and the things that you wanted to achieve, rather rather than pour yourself into so much work. Yeah, so like, oh, it was a big shock going from from the amount of hours that I was working back to 40, 45 a week. I was like, yeah, this is, this is crazy. What do I do with the rest of the time? <laughs> Obviously, uh, two months after we opened, um, Alexis like, was born. It's so. like that saying, you know, what, does anyone ever remember what life was like before kids? Because, yeah. you know, you think to yourself, where did how, how did I live? Like, I don't remember what it was like not to have to run around yeah, and do like, those things. What did you do with all your time? <laughs> it's like, holy dooly. Probably just trained all the time. Would not change it for the um, world, though. So yeah. so from there, because um, what, what I want to talk about now, what I want to move into is um, some pretty cool stuff that, you know, that you have uh, developed and the things that you're looking to develop. Um, you've got yourself a couple of things, a couple of uh, irons in the fire, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, one of them being uh, a brand, Appetite for Deadlift. Yep. And secondly, the Appetite for Life movement as well. So um, let's have a yarn about that because I, I think that, um, you know, when I first came across you was probably through your AFD page. Um, and I was like, oh, what's this all about? So uh, obviously um, you're passionate about helping people. You're passionate about leadership. You're passionate about, you know, giving people opportunities to better themselves or pull themselves out of a, a scenario that they may be facing because uh, we, all, we, all, we all end up in a scenario at some stage in our lives. So let's, let's, let's go over that because so Appetite, let's talk about Appetite for Deadlifts first. So that's your brand. So yeah, Appetite for Deadlifts was born uh, probably around 2017. Yeah, um, it was in it was my home gym at home. It was just a bit of a bit of a bit of fun and things yep. like that. And and Cara and I were training. We were trying to get back into it after um, Lexi was born and things like that. And I started had like, a couple of people started to come over and started to train with us. Yeah, like hey Steve, interested in this CrossFit thing? I don't know if I want to go to one of the boxes in town first. Yeah. Because it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, but is there any way I can just come over and hang out, see what you guys do and things like that? So yeah. yeah. Kari, Kari was a level one uh, CrossFit coach. Yeah. Things like that. Um, and I'm a, I am was a, a, a judge. Yeah. Things like that for CrossFit as well. So um, quite passionate about it. Re- lived and breathed fitness yep. forever. Yep. Like when I'm not here doing these things or, or running businesses, it's, it's studying and learning about. As much as you can. As much as I can. Put as much into my brain as I can to to learn how to um, chat to people. And and so deadlifts was there. Um, so we just started and it was just a bit of fun. Um, but I found that like when the 
guys were coming over. Yeah. We weren't training so much. It was more just chatting as friends and things like that and really opening up about life experiences yep. and, and giving some guidance around what was happening in their life and, yep. and things like that. And I've, I've faced a, a fair bit of adversity and, and challenges within my life and, yep. and things like that. And um, when, when we have those conversations, I was actually able to relate some of it back to what I'd gone through and, yep. and give them some tools how to um, look at what they – uh, the big picture stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, to ma- enable their thought process to change as well. Yeah, and, and it kind of just evolved from that. And then yeah. we, we moved houses and, and we have a, like in the new house, we have a, a, a massive shed and, yeah. and half the shed is dedicated to Appetite for Deadlifts. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. A, it's a custom-built CrossFit box. Yeah, awesome. That, that's got cable machines, yeah. like a pull-up rig, rowing, bikes, yeah. dumbbells, bars. Like it's, yeah. it's, a, like a, it's, a, it's a home gym dream like if you see those ones on instagram and yeah. stuff like that that garage gyms yeah whatever you want to call yours, it yours is that set mine's up. that like you walk <laughs> in here and it's like whoa there's a toilet in yeah. there there's, yeah. there's the, the appetite logo there's um yeah. some sponsors logos and stuff like that yeah. up in there and it's kind of like well this is this is this is the place where you can come and chat we've got a couch we've yeah. got a we've got patio heater there's a fridge there's yeah. a bar yeah um there's a couple of sneaky beers in there yeah. and stuff like that um but it's just the last probably two years is, and more over the last 12 months, it's been really focused on reaching out or people reaching out to me that, that work in in businesses that really, really struggle with their work-life balance. Yeah, trying to find um, that and, medium. And, and don't have that avenue to open up and talk to somebody because like, when, like there's that stigma that men can't open up and talk. Yeah. And, and I, I don't... For me, I felt that like before I, I, um, I opened up and admitted that there was a problem um, a few years ago. It was like I didn't want to talk about it because it was I was the man of the house yeah. and, and I didn't want that burden to be put onto my wife and my children. Yeah. Um, and, and I had to be strong for everybody. Masculinity is, you know, at, at times a hard thing for um, for guys to let go of. And I think like it's just uh, to 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 show vulnerability is 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 the true mark of a man. I think and like yeah. you know ultimately. Um, being an adult is a hard job. Yeah. Uh, so and at, at some stage in our lives, we're going to face adversity. We're going to face challenges. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. Um, but what does matter and what always matters is the the ability for you to be able to talk about that and the ability for you to be able to lean on somebody who you may need to lean on and stuff like that because ultimately, you know, we don't want another statistic. No, and, and I think, like, I, I read it was really random that it popped up. On, um, I, w- I was just doing some reading, uh, must have been last night, and yep. it just really randomly popped up on my page, and it just it, w- it was highlighting that when you're a kid, there's all this adversity, and well, not a lot of adversity yep. for kids, but then, like, as you get older, males can't open up and cry yeah. and things like that, but then you have a look at it, and the statistic of suicide is higher in men. It is, yes, always. But the, the but they look at it that there's all like I I won't get too much into it because um, yeah. it's 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 a really sensitive topic for a lot of people and definitely. Um, but the suicide rate's really high, and it's just probably because they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And, and there's some some great people in Dubbo doing some fantastic things around mental health and yeah. and, and suicide prevention and and domestic violence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm really really proud of what 
what we're doing as a community and yeah. and if I can help shape one person's life or change their thinking about one little thing then that's that's what appetite for deadlifts is about they yeah. just come in we just talk yeah if we train we train if we don't train we don't train it's just a place for, for guys to come and hang out yeah. and and girls as well we've had some girls through and yeah. and things like that um and, and it's just that conversation starter yeah and having having a, a place to do that yeah and, and it's like i don't i don't charge for it it's just all free and and if they if they want to go, you know what I've I've done what I need to do with you, and I'm actually going to go join a commercial gym now. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't hold a grudge against anyone. I've I've had people that were that were seeing coming in and training with me that have gone off and done CrossFit or gone off and joined a, a yeah. commercial gym, and yeah. and it's like you know what that's cool. That's their journey, and I support that. Something you said uh, to me, which is which is I want to just just make mention of that. Um, because I think I think it's it's very valued a very valid point is inclusiveness through fitness. Yep. Um, like if you have a purpose and you belong to something, you're more inclined to want to open up. Yeah, so like that community feel, and I, I sometimes find it funny that like the bodybuilders and powerlifters yeah. and 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 <laughs> strong men and CrossFitters hate each other because we're yeah. we're all part of the same movement yeah. is making people's lives better and exactly it's like. Why do we fight? Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not... It would be almost like two soccer players saying that, uh, you know, um, no, 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 we kick the ball better than you. It's like, no, we both kick the ball. Um, The the, the end result's exactly the same, so why can't we do it together? Yeah, and it's like... And when we get into appetite for life stuff in a second, it's like, it's it's you finding what your appetite is. Yeah. It's not... You may not be suited for CrossFit. You may not like it. You might go, you know what? I don't like CrossFit. I'm going to go try F45. Yeah. Cool. Go do that. Yeah, but at least you're doing something and you're making change and you're finding what your appetite is in your life. And and there shouldn't be there shouldn't be judgment around that either. There shouldn't be a, a stigma to say you know oh you're a CrossFitter Ugh, you know yeah. like oh geez you're a bodybuilder you're one of those guys that looks in the mirror and looks at himself yeah. or whatever. It's whatever finds whatever whatever your appetite is yeah. and that's what you're that's so that's that's your. Appetite for life is 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 the big picture for you. That's that's the thing that um, you know you're working towards. Most importantly, these days, I think um, each day is a step towards you getting that and making that dream possible. Yeah. So, appetite for life is is that big big picture that that yeah. that end goal for for the community. And I've I've been working on this idea for for quite a while now. And there's there's some movements in the right direction. So um, if if anybody is listening to this that wants to um, to push this forward to our our local member or our our, our local council, this is this is something that's for everybody and and the, it's the big movement that we we need and what it is 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 it's a it's a multifunctional business that caters for every part of your life. So you come in and and it's there's a there's a drop in center. There's a there's a fitness facility. There's a cafe. There's there's professional services. Where you've got your your psychiatrists, your mental health counselors, physios, chiropractors, dietitians, nutritionists, uh, occupational therapists, um, mental health barbers, those kind of things that are, they're, they're all in one place. And and we have tons of programs running all the time. There's school holiday programming. Uh, we're we're working with at risk youth. We're working with domestic violence victims. Where we've got the mums and bubs groups. We've got the dads and bubs groups. Um, we're, we're, we're dealing with uh, people with disabilities, so NDIS-funded uh, disability yeah. support. And, and it's really much a, a place where you can come and hang out and, and take part in that, that low-cost or affordable programming that's going to get you 
finding what your appetite is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you, if you have a look um, and you jump onto the, the Insta page, um, you'll, you'll see that our motto is what's your appetite. And, and it's about helping you find what that is. And it's not about coming in, I want to, if you want to come in and you want to lose 50 kilos, cool. Yeah. That's what your appetite is. We're going to help you achieve that goal. Or it might be, I want to get my nutritional plan back on track. Yep. But not only will we coach and train you with that plan, we're actually going to take you into the cafe and we're going to teach you how to cook it. And we're going to help do all of those things. So there's tons of little bits and pieces going on um, in the background. Um, but it's, it's about the, the facility targeting absolutely every part of our community and our community only. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not fast about what's happening in Sydney. I'm not fast about what's happening in the US at the moment. Yeah. It's about our community. It's about our community. It's about Dubbo as a whole. Yeah. And, and if, you have a, if you have a look, our, our, our vision is for you, for your community and for our future. Yeah. And our, and our mission statement is for the power, uh, the empowerment, courage, commitment, influence towards a stronger and more positive Dubbo today and in the future. Yeah. And I know that we've spoken a little bit before we started the podcast today about uh, social influence and things yeah. like that. And, and we're going to talk about it again later, but it's about yeah. this is appetite is about changing us for the better. Yeah. Someone in the US that, that's got a social media page yep. doesn't care about what's happening in Dubbo. No, that's right. They care yeah. about followers and they care about subscribers to their YouTube channel and they, can care, they care about brands sponsoring them to do a job. Yep. Appetite for Life is about making social change in Dubbo with Dubbo locals yep. for Dubbo locals. For Dubbo locals, yeah. yeah. And, and, having, and having that place for someone to feel a part of. Um, but yeah, like it's when you mentioned it to me, I was like, you know, this is this is a vision that I can I can see, not only uh, you know making some great changes be, uh, towards people because obviously um, you know the, there's going to be a place for people to go, and I think that's the that's the key. I mean, we have we have our centres here, we we still have our good PCYCs and our gyms and things like that, but sometimes um, people aren't quite aware of how to go about that and stuff yeah. like that, and I think you know that's where some clever marketing and that comes in to allow people to feel comfortable in, in the environment they're going to yeah so it's it's really important that we we, we move forward as yeah. a society and not rely on what's happening in in the media and things like that yeah. um and it's working together as a community so it doesn't matter what demographic you're from it's it's yeah. all about just making change and, and improving our lives yeah in town yeah and that and that could be bringing more retail business to town that could be more sporting events into the town it's it's creating opportunities for for everybody yeah i think it's an i think it's an amazing uh amazing insight into, into an amazing project i just uh like i guess you know people listening out there too if they they've got any ideas and stuff they they can probably um or what they want to put their hand up and give you a hand then you're always open to that I'm, oh, mate i'm a i'm, I'm a one-man <laughs> show at the moment i've got yeah. i've got a couple of people who um some have, have offered some business assistance yeah. and things like that it's just some some yeah. thinking around how i can go about opening it up but yeah. the, the at the end of the day it's the 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 accountants the solicitors and things like that mm. that are going to help yeah. form this company yeah. this not not for profit yeah. organization, organization yeah. um to to take that next step and open because it's this is not a a an overnight no business no, it's, it's not. not just going to pop up tomorrow and have yeah. like have this 
everything that I've spoken about going on at once. It's a, it's a long-term project to get open, but when we open, we want it to be fully functional. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, it, it takes a lot of funding, government funding or community funding and things like yeah. that to really get it off the ground. So if And obviously people, a lot of manpower too. Yeah, so if there's people there out there listening to this that really want to be a part of it yeah. um, and, and want to help make that change, if you're a, uh, a PT or you're, you're a psychiatrist or something like that that really wants to get in and be a part of this this movement, then yeah. jump, jump on and, and reach out to us and we can meet, have a coffee um, and, and really start to get the ball rolling on it. What's, um, so let's, 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 let's talk about how they get in contact with you because uh, you're, you've got, th- you've got three Instagrams. Yeah. Um, I've got you covered, mate. I've got five. <laughs> oh. Only because of the businesses though. So they, oh. <laughs> that I don't have five personal Instagrams, but anyway, it's uh, it's a full-time job in itself, social media. But we, we spoke at the start of this, didn't we, about social media. I think um, we, we might even make that a whole separate episode yeah. uh, in regards to talking <laughs> about uh, – Social media profiles and 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 the and the way that world's going, but we'll we'll definitely. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good episode that we can we can probably touch on. You know? Yeah, definitely something that um, something that I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah, you'll you'll notice that when when we do read out my my social yeah um, pages, you don't see that I post a lot on there. Yeah, because um, that's not what I'm about. Yeah, I'm about just that you you'll find that I'm the guy in the background doing his thing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm it's not there, there it's there and like obviously you know the but you know we urge people that if you are out there and uh, uh, giving giving Steve's pages especially um, appetite underscore four underscore deadlifts or what's underscore your underscore appetite give them a follow because a follow is going to help yeah a follow is going to help and a follow is going to help build the community and build that uh, build that you know that that brand in, within the community and when I say brand I mean uh, anything that we do these days is branded or it has some sort of a, a background in regards to getting people to recall it and things like that so hopefully by doing that you know if you can give that a follow for, for Steve that you can be on that can be your little piece of helping out so uh, your personal page is Mr underscore Steve underscore G yep Stevie G Stevie G that's, that's my that's my email address that I've had since oh. I was 12 I think so oh. that's a whole other topic you know even even in the shops I have you know you would have the same with JB you have a database or you, people sign up to your loyalty program <laughs> and you say oh what's your email and I, you can always tell the ones that go oh um I'm like you've had this since you were 16 haven't you yeah <laughs> it's usually something weird you know yeah. like I won't even go into some of the ones that I've heard <laughs> I read I read a lot of resumes and things yeah. over the years, and, and you're like, Whoa. very interesting emails. Oh my it's god! Like you may, if you, it's the only advice that I give you if you're applying for a job yeah. in life, yeah, don't have sexy bitch sixty nine. No, not that a good is not idea. a professional email address, and it probably doesn't take much for you to go create a new one. Like, let's be honest, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Just to put it out there, mine's Hotmail. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't even. Someone yeah. said to me yesterday, "Does Hotmail even exist?" Yeah, well, I when I think when I sent an email to you, I was like. Oh, he's not going to get this. It's going to go into it cyberspace did, spam. It did, it went into junk. did it really? Yeah, yours went into junk Disappointing. Like Disappointing. I don't pretty, know. I don't pretty. know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, mate. Look, I think we we'll we'll wrap that up today. Yeah. But I think that's that's been some amazing into insight into an amazing life so far. And it's only just thirty seven years. Um, thirty seven years young. So, um, but. 
I'm I'm so stoked, mate, that we've got somebody like you in our community, somebody who's driven enough to to want to make change. And I think that um, that's the key is if we have enough of us, enough people who are willing to put their hands up and 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 step out of the light, uh, step out of the darkness, I guess, into the light, and saying, look, I've been through this, I've done this, I've I've had these issues, I've been through uh, th- through these particular situations. How can I help you go through the same thing? Um, I think that's just amazing, and I think like you know every every common denominator in regards, to, even with this with our podcast, is always everybody's story has got some sort of speed hump in there somewhere. It's just a matter of whether you keep driving or not, isn't it? Yeah, like I, obviously we didn't cover a few of those speed humps yeah. um, in my yeah. life, and and some of them are probably more serious than yeah. what we've spoken about. Yeah. But um, that could be another topic for another day. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to have you back on again, mate. I think that um, I think we could definitely, um, you know definitely bounce off one another in regards to moving forward is creating a better community and stuff like that as well so i think i think we need to interview you <laughs> i don't know about that mate episode <laughs> I'm, 13 i'm not yeah oh geez i'm not, not that exciting mate i probably we'd probably only get a 20 minute podcast or something like that <laughs> that'd be enough i am older than you though so uh, i do have a couple more years <laughs> so probably a couple more years of uh yeah. you know crap i guess yeah. <laughs> filter out the crap. You've got, you've got a great stuff. story. So, um, all right, guys. Well, that's that's our episode today. We really appreciate everyone tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed our catch up with Steve. If you do want to, um, like I said, check out Steve's uh, social medias. We are going to probably um, we'll have them up on our page when we're promoting the episode. But also, um, he is at JB Hi-Fi here in Dubbo, so you can pop in there and uh, hit him up for a coffee and a Tim Tam. Yeah, you good with that? Tim Tam. Yeah. I love it. I love a good team team. Um, and obviously, um, you know, Steve. Steve's approachable uh, in, for anyone. Anyone out there who needs to talk to somebody or wants to wants to lean on somebody, Steve's Steve's going to put his hand up uh, like he always does. So, what a great man, and what a great episode. So, thank you very much, mate. And we really appreciated having you on episode number twelve of the Mass Effect. Thanks, Dave.